Well, brothers and sisters, I've been chomping at the bit to preach this sermon. I really have. I can't wait. I hope you can't wait either. Here we go. Everything these days is political, even in sports, if you've noticed. The NFL, the NBA, oh my goodness, the WNBA. Yes, Major League Baseball. The fields, the courts, the helmets, the headbands, the uniforms are all branded with political slogans, and they put them right in your face. And they push a certain political point of view. And if you dare to disagree, then you can't participate. That's not an exaggeration. And you're demonized, and you're canceled, and your career ruined. Now that's nothing new. The holier than thou Pharisees, in the text, they want to use what? Politics to entrap a preacher. Which preacher? Well, you guessed it, that's right, Jesus. Jesus has become too big for his britches in their eyes, and so they're out to ruin him, to make him damaged goods, to destroy him. And if they can, well, hey, they'll even murder him. Here's the trap, the political trap. Hey, Jesus, um, you follow God's laws. You have morals. You have values. You are, as the millennials say, authentic. Not a bad preacher either, Jesus. And of course, the Gallup and the Fox News polls don't influence you. Love you, man. Love you, Jesus. Now, brothers and sisters, when anyone prefaces a question with such fawning and gushing quips like that, you know that there's something rotten in the state of Denmark. And then the snare is laid. Time to spring the trap. Jesus, we told you, we love you, man. Now tell us, Jesus. Is it right, this is the political question, is it right to pay taxes to Caesar? Or should we stick it to the man and give him two middle fingers? Humanly speaking, this is really, really a brilliant move. If you're trying to ruin Jesus' reputation and derail his ministry. After all, if Jesus says, you know what, boys? It's not right to pay taxes to Caesar. Then, oh, then he would be guilty of treason against Rome and the Herodians, the titanic political animals of the day, will immediately call in the Imperial FBI SWAT team to have Jesus arrested, jailed, drawn, and quartered. However, if Jesus says, yeah, you know what, boys? It's perfectly fine to pay taxes to Caesar. Then, oh, then he's a traitor to his homeland, Israel, and everything that is Hebrew. Because they hated the Romans. And the Romans had enslaved them. And no self-respecting Jew would ever listen to his preaching again. And Jesus would be, shall we say, he would be finished. Now in the text, Jesus knows their hypocrisy. He recognizes that the Pharisees couldn't care less about paying taxes. It was just a game of political and religious entrapment, a gotcha game. And they were the experts. But Jesus, he's not going to be caught in this game. They will. And so will you, if you try to play that game with Jesus. All right, boys, Jesus says, do you have a coin in your pocket? Oh, you do? Wonderful. Pull it out, please. Now tell me, you tell me, you tell me, whose picture is on that denarius. Hmm? Oh, does cat have your tongue? Huh? Whose depiction is on that coin? Caesar's, they sheepishly answer. Bingo! And on one side of the coin, 
would be whose portrait? Tiberius Caesar's. And on the other side of the coin would be another depiction of Tiberius on his royal throne with the inscription in Latin, Maxim Pontiff, which means great ruler. Great ruler? You've got to be kidding. Tiberius was anything but. He was extremely harsh, dastardly brutal, and extremely merciless. Tiberius Caesar had no ethics. He had no morals. So you can just imagine what his Instagram messages would be like every day. But Jesus, he doesn't go there. Because Jesus makes a distinction. Are you listening? He makes a distinction between the office and the person who holds the office by declaring, what did he say? Give to Caesar what is Caesar's. Do you get it? Jesus didn't say, give to Tiberius, but to give to Caesar. That's the distinction between person and office. This is huge. So Tiberius is the person, Caesar is the office. So give to Caesar. And so Jesus teaches all of us to look to the office and not to <laughs> the person. Oh, the person holding the office may be wicked, may be cruel, may be unethical, but that does not give any of us the excuse to diminish the office. The office of civil or civic authority is God's gift. Paul teaches that in Romans 13, if you're interested. God, according to the Bible, uses civil authorities. We heard about it in the Old Testament reading. What was his name that God used? Cyrus. An unbeliever. God uses civil authorities as his hands in order to protect the innocent and to punish the criminal, no matter if the one holding the office is Christian or an unbeliever, like Cyrus, that we heard about in the Old Testament reading. Now, I warn you, <clears throat> I told you I was chomping at the bit to preach this. If you find the failings and the faults of governing office holders in order to purposely despise and dishonor government, then you will invite something. You will invite the wrath of God, and you will reap the anarchy that you sow. Seriously. One of the most troubling things that I see today among all of us is that we Americans tear down not only the person, but also what? The office. So I beg you to remember that no matter who wins elections in this country, especially the presidency, you are to honor and respect the person for the sake of the office. You may not like a certain person who occupies the White House, but Jesus says, give to Caesar what is Caesar's. I know what you're about ready to ask, so I'm ready to answer it. You're asking what in your heads? What are we to give to Caesar? I'm glad you asked. Romans 13 tells tells us that it includes paying taxes. Remember the tax, Matthew? I know you hate that. I do too. But I'm here to tell you that paying taxes is holy work. <laughs> and you're about ready to leave now, aren't you? Yeah. It's holy work. It's loving work. Why? Here's why. Because we pay taxes so that the Lord will use Caesar to provide for us, to build roads, to fill the potholes, 
to keep the peace in our communities and country, to make sure that we have clean drinking water, that our toilets, and seriously, if they don't work right, you're in trouble, but to make sure that our toilets flush properly, that our food is safe to eat, to provide relief and rebuilding after we lose everything from maybe hail, the white combine, tornadoes, hurricanes, wildfires, earthquakes, to provide shelter and food for the poor. Oh, I know, believe me, I know this really well. I know that there's lots of room for improvement and repentance in the way that Caesar spends or assesses our taxes. So you as a citizen, you need to do your part then to bring about such improvement by doing what? By voting and getting involved in grassroots politics. You need to be a responsible citizen, which means praying, voting, and working for those things. What else are we to give to Caesar? Well, according to Romans 13, we are to give Caesar honor. However, it is to be the right or proper kind of honor. Honor because earthly authorities are God's instruments, God's hands, to care for the citizen, the community, and the country. To do, listen carefully, to do earthly work, not heavenly work. Work for this world, not for the next. What do I mean here? This is what I mean. Civil authorities cannot give you salvation. Civil authorities cannot bring about the kingdom of God. That's not their bailiwick. Now, brothers and sisters, if you believe that, then you need to repent of that PDQ. Salvation is whose chore? The church's. God uses the church and the church's ministers to provide his kingdom reign and bestow the gifts of salvation. Namely, preaching the gospel, baptizing, absolving, handing out the Lord's body and blood to eat and drink. Now, as we've been studying on Sunday mornings the book of Revelation, we have observed, or at least Kuhlman has, over and over again, I can see everybody roll their eyes, but we have observed that we are not to make the horrific and hellacious mistake that is so prominent today. And what is it? turning God into Caesar, or Caesar into God. What do I mean? Here's what I mean. Governing authorities are not little divinities to be worshipped as givers of salvation. They are simply creatures, and they are imperfect creatures, just like all of us. They are imperfect creatures that God still uses to take care of his creatures and his creation for this life for this world. And so what kind of honor are we to give them? Honor in that sense, for their office, for that reason, and that's it. All right, it's so Captain Obvious that Caesar wants your taxes and your honor. But Jesus says something else in the text. He says, give to God what is God's. I'm anticipating your question. What does God want from us, Reverend? I'm glad you asked. God wants your wholehearted, are you listening? He wants your wholehearted fear, love, and trust in him above all things. He wants your broken and contrite heart that grieves your sin and desperately wants Jesus' Good Friday forgiveness. 
God wants your F-A-I-T-H, your hope and your trust. He wants you to live a holy life according to his word. He wants your time, he wants your talents, and he wants your treasures before the taxes, not after taxes. No one's laughing. Psalm 116 also teaches you what God wants. Listen. We sing it a lot on Sunday mornings during the church here. What shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits to me? I will offer the sacrifice of thanksgiving and will call on the name of the Lord. I will take the cup of salvation and will call on the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord now in the presence of all his people in the courts of the Lord's house, in the midst of you, O Jerusalem. Do you remember that? That's Psalm 116. You give God yourself because he has given himself to you for your salvation in our Lord's Good Friday sacrifice and by giving you his triune, divine, and saving name in baptism. So the highest honor and the highest worship that you can give God is to have good use of his son, Jesus Christ. And how do you do that? By coming to hear his word, by believing the absolution, by eating and drinking his body and blood, that categorically, Jesus says, I died for you and I rose for you. You're forgiven. And actually believing this, that your life now and forever depends on, yes, that's right, Good Friday Jesus giving your amen, which means truth. And the Bible spells that F-A-I-T-H. Well, as usual, I've preached way too long, and I see that people are heading for the south doors. So let me finish this way. In the end, we must all confess that we don't want to give to Caesar what is Caesar's, let alone give to God what is God's because we daily sin much in the way that we deal with the Lord's representatives in civil authority. We also daily sin in the way the Lord provides us salvationally through his word and sacrament. And so instead of faith, the highest worship of God, we sometimes do the opposite. We don't trust, we doubt, and we have lots of misgivings. Now, because Jesus sent me to say it, I'm here to tell you that for all of this, you are forgiven. Really, you are. Jesus promises. He says so. He's caught you in his word of absolution. And his good use of you, his forgiven people, will be to do what? To give to Caesar what is Caesar's, and to God what is God's. In the name of Jesus, amen. <laughs>